This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hey, wrestling fans. I'm Jake Barton, creator of the history storytelling podcast called Historium, and you're listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we'd like to welcome you to episode number 41. I'm Nick Howell. And through the smoldering remains of the Sepulveda Pass, (laughs) I have arrived again. I have my lovely can of hop-flavored water in my hand. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I am here to talk about all the graps with you, my friend Nick Howell, and for you lovely people out there listening to our show. And speaking of listening to our show, thank you very much for tuning in. Please feel free to hit subscribe on the social media platform or the, the podcast platform that you have used for your Android or iPhone device. Please hit us up on Facebook at the Busted Wide Open discussion group. We have a lot of fun there talking about everything going on in wrestling. And we also can be found on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Well, Ian, there's a pay-per-view this weekend. There SmackDown Live is. has Clash of Champions, and we had the go-home show this week. Yeah, SmackDown was kind of bizarre this week. It was their go-home show for Clash of Champions, and it was a, a tonally a little bit weird. But we also had a really big Raw show with a bunch of monster matches, and we had some idea now of what we are going to expect at Royal Rumble. But in addition this week, Nick, we've got to shred through this WWE stuff because there's so much to talk about in the wide world of wrestling, we had some monster matches in NXT as well, setting yes. up for a future number one contendership. Uh, New Japan, their World Tag League came to a close, and we had some incredible builds for Wrestle Kingdom with Omega and Jericho, among others. Uh, Ring of Honor, they're having a pay-per-view this weekend, too. Final Battle is coming up tomorrow night, and it promises to be a big card as well. And there's there's so much more to talk about. So we got to dive right in and get to this week's big news. Well, there wasn't a lot of big news in the WWE, but there were some definitely some really strong matches and some outcomes of these matches that may or may not have some knock-on effects to some of the pay-per-views that we have upcoming. Well, we yes, but we also have some things we have to talk about before we dive into the guts of our show. And one of those things is, is something that happened on SmackDown Live that, that I thought was a big deal, and that is that Daniel Bryan will be returning to the ring what? at Clash of Champions. Well, kind of. Oh, He's okay. going to be the second referee. In, in one of the like the co-main event, there's the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens versus Randy Orton Nakamura match. And instead of just Shane McMahon being the special referee, 
Now Daniel Bryan has inserted himself as well. So we're going to have two referees in that match. And one of them's going to be Daniel Bryan. Well, we did see him put a, a referee shirt on and get in and finish the countout once there was a mishap, quote unquote, and Kevin Owens took out the referee in that match. And Daniel Bryan gets in and counts the one, two, three for Kevin Owens. And there's all kinds of this swarmy buildup to wondering where, what side Daniel Bryan is going to fall on. Is he going to protect KO and Sammy? Or is he going to have Shane's back? I'm more curious if he's going to take a bump in this match. Oh, you know what I mean? That's because that's going to be a big indication of where we're going with Daniel Bryan. If this is just a storyline thing, or if there's something else going on that they haven't released to the public, you know, if, if this is something more, if we are going to see what has been speculated about, which is a, a feud between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. So the fact that he's going to be in a wrestling ring is a big deal off the bat. Uh, and and what happens on Sunday with Daniel Bryan is going to be a big deal as well. And we'll obviously get into the storyline, everything that's going on when we get to our SmackDown Live segment. But I thought it was worth noting, that, and that's kind of a big deal, that Daniel Bryan is going to be coming back to the ring, albeit in a referee capacity. If this turns out to be, if we go all the way back to the European tour where Kevin and Sammy got kicked off the European tour for shenaniganry, whatever they were doing, if that was the beginning of this long run of creative just to get Daniel Bryan back in the ring at WrestleMania, I'm going to be genuinely impressed. Well, I'll tell you what. The writing on SmackDown has been a bit all over the place in terms of how they push people. But I'll tell you, this this main storyline, they've been building it for a long time. This goes back to August and before with Shane McMahon in, you know, getting into Kevin Owens' yeah. matches. If this ends up going all the way to WrestleMania and being a Daniel Bryan return, I'm going to have to say it's going to be one of the most successful storylines they've run in years. So I'm very curious to see where this goes. Also, the way that they're writing the Daniel Bryan character and the way he's playing it has been one of the more interesting aspects of WWE TV for the last month or so, two months. So, so far, kudos to SmackDown Live and, and how they're handling all the different aspects and details of this feud. And again, we'll get into that more in SmackDown Live. we got to get some more big news. Another uh, kind of sad big news is that Rich Swan, one of the stars of the cruiserweight division, has been suspended. Uh, he was arrested for domestic violence this week, and uh, as you as we said last week on the show, he was in the finals in the cruiserweight division for the number one contendership to Enzo Amore's title. It was going to be him versus Drew Gulak yeah. for that title. Obviously, because of this situation, uh, WWE didn't even try to play this off as a storyline. They straight said he is no longer in contention for the title. He's out. We're going to make a new match, and there will be new opportunities for somebody else to face Drew Gulak for this title, for the opportunity at this title. So, uh, from what I understand, uh, the, Rich Swan and his wife have a history of quote combustibility. People yeah. close to them said that they're both kind of, you know, they're they're not the, the happiest of people outside of WWE. <laughs> okay, they've had they've been together for a long time, and they they have had their their problems in the past. This isn't a new. Thing. A lot of people were surprised, but people that were closest to them were like, no, this isn't that surprising, well, which is I, The which only is thing sad. I've heard is that it uh, he ended up putting her in a headlock and dragging her. That's And that's hearsay. I, I haven't read that as like an right. official police report somewhere, but yeah, I, if that's the case, I mean, WWE's in the right here. I have to side with them, and this Absolutely. is the right thing to do. And I'm all about, you know, innocent until proven guilty and all that stuff, but, you know, there's a difference between being fired and what's happening with him right now. Uh, as far as complete termination. So what is, as far as WWE's policy goes, do we know where that defining line is? Because I thought 
there was a zero tolerance policy. Well, there is a zero tolerance policy in as much as while you're facing charges, you can't wrestle. And that's why they've suspended him. Mm. Their actual policy as it's written out is you can't wrestle for us while you're under suspicion of any, you know, anything that we deem unsavory. And obviously that's a pretty broad thing, but that domestic violence definitely follows falls under that. Sure. Um, but because you are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, they can't terminate him. They can't terminate his contract until he's been convicted of this. So if he hmm. if he walks, if the charges are dropped, we may see Rich Swan back. But that's obviously a long shot at this point. That being said, if you look at the history of WWE, they have had people who had domestic violence issues, including Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they've come back to wrestle afterwards. So this is a wait-and-see situation. There's, it's been... The zero tolerance thing has been discussed online, including in our Busted Wide Open Facebook group, right. people saying, you know, there should be zero tolerance. If he's accused, he should be out. And that's just not WWE's policy. And I think it's a fair policy. You're not getting paid. You're not wrestling while you're dealing with this. But if you are convicted, yeah, sorry, you're done. Hmm. Well, that's it for the big news this week. Uh, let's get right into it and talk about what went down on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, so in some much happier news, over on Monday Night Raw, we had a very wrestling-heavy show. There was not a lot of plot elements in this show. There's some some good backstage segments, but yeah. this we had three really big, great wrestling matches this week, like just traditional wrestling matches. You had one between Seth Rollins and Sheamus. They had a fantastic match. Roman Reigns and Cesaro had a really hard-hitting, fantastic match. Uh, maybe Roman Reigns is the best performer in the world. I don't know. He said last- <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. And then also Dean Ambrose and Samoa Joe had a very good match as yes, well with a little bit of interference from Jason Jordan. And uh, the great thing was all three of these matches felt very different. They all had different styles. You had a very kind of technical, fast-moving match between Seth Rollins and Sheamus. You had a hard-hitting, just brutal power match between Roman Reigns and Cesaro with both these guys trying to outpower each other. But then Cesaro got very technical as well. And then Dean Ambrose and Joe had kind of a more chaotic, all-over-the-place with there's interference and everything, much more of a, a wild match. It was great to see these three matches contrasting with each other uh what was interesting was that i don't think this advanced any storylines really like there wasn't a whole lot that we've feel i don't feel like anything advanced except for maybe a little bit of jason jordan stuff with dean ambrose but this was just was this was just three good matches well i feel like this is an interesting thing to talk about for a second because normally with raw you get the soap opera effect of it's all drama with a little bit of wrestling Opposite to SmackDown, where you get a whole lot of Matt wrestling with a just a little bit of stuff sprinkled in for feuds here and there. And I felt like starting the last week or so, that's kind of flipped its on its head. Well, it makes We're getting sense. more drama and stuff over on SmackDown Live with the KO and Sami Zayn and Shane and Debray stuff. Yeah, and it makes sense, in my opinion, to do that because they have a bigger roster on Raw. You have more guys. You give them these longer matches like like they did this week. And keep the drama stuff to a minimum, and you can put on these good matches with these very talented people. I, I would, like I said, I would have liked to see a little bit more storyline for these matches or where it's going because right now they are kind of spinning their wheels as far, far as far as the Shield Bar Joe feud. But at the same time, if we get quality matches like this, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now I don't know where we're going to end up, but they got to get all the way to the middle of January with Royal Rumble with these feuds. Uh, next week, I guess we're getting the whole Shield against the Bar and Joe in a big six-man tag match. Um, 
But at the end of the day, this is going to end up being Roman versus Joe for the IC title. Yep. And again, a rematch of the bar and the remaining guys of the Shield, Rollins and Ambrose, for the tag belts. Now, at the end of the day, do you think any of these belts are changing hands? Are the Shield going to get all of the gold? Uh, is Joe Poss? Is, is there any way he's taking the IC title off of Roman here? I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a the Samoan feud I've been predicting for the second half of this year really start to cement itself, leading to an IC title uh, bout between Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. And yes, I do believe that Samoa Joe is going to take the belt off of Roman. Really? Because I also think that they're going to give the belt the universal title to Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns is going to go pursue that. So I think that uh, hear me out. Uh, that's all of Sorry. this is okay. in my head. All of my fantasy booking and speculation <laughs> fantasy being the operative word, even a clock's right twice a day. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's wrong for the entire rest of the time. That's fine. As long as I get to be twice right every now and but then you said it, one right thing there that Joe will challenge Roman Reigns for the IC belt. The whole yes. rest you can throw out. Oh, come on. Entirely. Come on. No, I think that's what's going to go down. I, th- I do think the that uh, Rollins and Ambrose are going to take the tag belts back off of the bar uh, going into Rumble. I think we will have that. And you know, outside of that, I think it's what's happening at the very top of the card in the singles side of things is is more important or more interesting. I guess is the word I want to use. The the what what in the world is going on? We we got to talk about Kane and Braun Strowman here as well because that developed and yet again went into some kind of crazy melee. Now, uh, before we get to Kane and Strowman, which we definitely have to talk about and, and in my opinion, bitch about. Yeah. But uh, one thing that is interesting that you just said was if Rollins and Ambrose do get the belts back, something we speculated about off air was the Rumble would be a good time to call up AOP, something mm-hmm. we've been calling all year. But they really are kind of done in NXT, and they should be on the main roster. You already had the Bludgeon Brothers on SmackDown Live, so there's no real place for a kind of monster tag team. But having them have their first feud against Rollins and, and Ambrose, I think, would be a great way to introduce them, especially at the Rumble. Um, so yeah, it's right now this feud isn't, we're not seeing any signs of where this is going, but there's certainly a lot of places it could go and hopefully it will start to heat up a little bit more as we get closer to the rumble. Although right now, as long as we're getting matches of this quality, I'm totally fine with them spinning their wheels. Oh, yes. Uh, speaking of spinning wheels though, we got to talk about the quote unquote monster main event between Kane and Braun Strowman, the monster which, mash, oh, <laughs> man, it was, uh, it was it was a graveyard smash, all right. Yes. It was uh, supposed to be for who was going to be the number one contender for Brock Lesnar's universal title. Out of nowhere. I don't know where that idea came from. <laughs> okay, all of a sudden, this is for the word universal title. Yeah. Fine, okay. But uh, in, in another bizarre booking decision, they decided to make it a double countout a third <laughs> of the way through the action. They, uh, Braun puts Kane through one of the barriers ringside. They both lie on the ground until the count out, and then they just keep brawling for another 10 minutes. And there's tables, and there's one of those little coaster things that you move speakers on. And well, that was funny because Braun was looking for something. Looking like, for a chair. Looking for a chair to do the throat thing again. He couldn't find it. So good for him. He just found the next best, best in, thing, he which was a moving cart. Yeah. <laughs> good for him. That was, it was good, and it was fun. It's nice to see something that isn't traditional yeah. come out from underneath the ring. <laughs> For once, like that's that would make more sense than like, oh, here's a whole cache of kendo sticks for some reason under the ring. Right. It, it makes more sense. But this was this again. I the audience isn't buying this, and perhaps it's because at the end, it's at the end of the three hours where the the main event used to be, and they still try to tell us that it's a main event. It will be though, again in another month or so once it, football well, goes off. It, that's a good point. Yeah. But even even though you know you had Roman and Cesaro for the IC belt at the end of the second hour, which was the obviously the real main event because. Roman is the main event. Let's not forget. 
But this, uh, the audience was kind of, kind of dead for this. And they're not buying that Kane is competitive with Braun Strowman to the point where Kane's even selling how scared he is of Braun Strowman all the time in this match. Like, like he was being intimidated. And it, after all of the, the kind of the monster aspects of Kane rampaging through the rest of Raw, you know, destroying Finn Balor time and time again, and then, you know, acting like a monster to Braun Strowman, having him sell how monstrous Braun Strowman is throughout this match really undercut how scary Kane is. And, it, and it's another instance of, I don't know why Kane is being booked in these main event positions in the, and this strong against someone like Braun Strowman. I think the intentions there are, are sound, are good. Like, they've got a good history of using Kane to put top guys into their position. I think Seth Rollins is a great example of this, but I think this is misguided to be doing it with someone the size and stature and, frankly, somebody who is as over as Braun Strowman is because it's effing unnecessary. He is already there, guys. He's ready to main event for a top title. But this is dragging Braun down, Agreed. in my opinion. You know what I mean? And if we had if we had a dollar for every time WWE was going on its own good intentions, <laughs> we'd be billionaires more rich than Vince McMahon. So this is, you know, I, I don't think whatever their intentions are, like, you know, they've got to actually start, you know, letting us know this is Kane's, you know, final run or something to make this, to give this a little bit more stature. Because right now, this is just... For me, and it seems like for a lot of other people, this is falling flat. And because of the no contest, we got Brock Lesnar coming in next Monday. And I bet you money, it's, it's been the, the scuttlebutt, that it's going to be a three-way for the Universal title at Royal Rumble, Brock, Kane, and Braun, which to me is about as exciting as, as next day chicken soup. Yeah. You know, just cold chicken soup. I'm like, okay, Well, we were great. talking about this the other night uh, after watching Raw, and, and I said something where... The reason I've mentioned the Seth Rollins thing previously is if you remember at Money in the Bank, he helped him climb, Seth climbed the ladder and held him up and all that stuff. I think the exact same thing is going to happen here. And that's why, you know, I never saw this coming particularly, at least the Kane angle of it. But I think there's going to be some kind of swerve where Kane causes Brock, distracts Brock, something to drop the belt in order to get it on Braun because he's a fellow monster and he is scared of him for whatever reason. I don't know if that's why let's, they're Let's get some money on this right stuff. now because you're 100% wrong on this. And I'm Kane, 100% Kane is absolutely sure. eating the pin. Kane is eating Brock's pin at Royal Rumble. Ah. That's fine. We can call it now. We can ah. call it now and come back to this and we can play this clip later when I'm right and you're wrong. Right. Let's move on to the women's division. Uh, Absolution, once again, is booked so Freaking well on Raw. They do come across as scary monsters. They come across as like a female version of the Shield where they surround the ring and they intimidate whoever's in it. Uh, they had a match this week against Mickey James and Bailey in which they once again, they won. They showed their dominance. Uh, and then they came out later and threatened Asuka. Asuka was supposed to have a match against Alicia Fox. They injured Alicia backstage, came out and finally cornered Asuka and said, all right, we let you go the last couple of weeks. What's it going to be? Step aside, or are you going to stay in our way? And Asuka, of course, being Asuka, went, bring it on, yep. which was a great, another great booking decision for Asuka. And she was whooping like a, them three on one for a bit. She was, and they did a good job of having her hold her own before you know, it just made sense to keep Absolution looking a bit strong in that three on one, like you got to get over at some point. Yeah. And they did. It was, it was well-timed. And then I thought this was another really cool decision. The entire women's locker room empties. And they all come out and attack Absolution and send them out of the ring packing. Like, enough of this shit. We've had it. Yeah. Enough of you girls. That makes sense. Yeah, I get it. That's logic. That's great. With something we don't see enough. 
on WWE TV, we finally had a logical booking decision. And I'm now really invested in the women's division on Raw. Words that if I if you, I, you told me I was going to say six months ago, I'd have laughed your laughed in your face. <laughs> okay, but this is great. No, I thought this is all has all been great booking. I'm curious where they're going to go. There's a lot of different elements you can have bouncing off each other. The only downside is there's a lot of superstars on the Raw Women's uh, Division that are kind of getting a little bit of you pushed aside. Bailey, Sasha, etc. They're looking a little bit like second string, and this is obviously going to be more about. Oscar and Paige. Well, there was one thing that stood out to me about this that I wanted to call out and call attention to, and I think we had a text conversation about this. When the women came out to stop absolution or put them down, the entire locker room, I mean, it was to Sasha's music. Right. Right? And then when they finished beating them and absolution was making their way back up the ramp and they were jawjacking and everything, Nia Jax's music played. Yeah. And my tinfoil hat-wearing self started really just theory-crafting into what the hell is that supposed to mean? So I see a, a Royal Rumble match for with Paige and Sasha Banks really lining up. But what is Nia Jax up to? Why is she getting the, the standing tall music uh, as they leave the ring? Well, that's an interesting speculation. And as of this point, I mean, that could just be, like you said, a tinfoil hat thing. And they just played those those, those particular songs because they're the most over songs. Uh, that one. You know? Right, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. and that's the one that the audiences would, would react to the sure. more. But if we're talking about Nia Jax, we got to go over and talk about the cruiserweights because she did get herself involved with Enzo Amore backstage again, hitting on him again and kind of flirting with him. And I'm curious where that's going because, again, I, I said if you have her end up being kind of an enforcer or a China character to Enzo Amori in the, in the cruiserweight division, that could be a really cool angle and a good thing to do with Nia Jax to keep her from having to put over page members of absolution and kind of take away from her monster status. So I thought that was a, a great little, uh, they're building that to something. I hope they don't screw it up. Like they do a lot of quote unquote love or attraction stories, but yeah. I, I hope that ends up being something cool. Speaking of cool, there was a really good fatal four-way match, as we said, because Rich Swan vacated his opportunity. And they got it right this time. They did get it right. Our boy Cedric Alexander yes, sir. is going to face Drew Gulak next week. Uh, what a match. I, hey, man, I, I don't know if Cedric's going to win that because Gulak is definitely more over than he is because he's done the smart thing to do in wrestling, and that's develop an interesting character. And Cedric hasn't really done that yet. As much as I think he's absolutely amazing, and could be the face of the division, he doesn't have a character. Enzo has a character. Gulak has a character. Even Neville had a de- really defined character. And, you know, the ones that are getting over a lot, Rich Swan, Tozawa, they have something to latch onto. And right now, Cedric doesn't really have anything to latch onto other than the fact that he's ridiculously athletic. And he has what I would argue is the best finishing move in all of WWE right oh, now with that lumbar check. check. <sighs> Gnarly. Like a code breaker, backbreaker kind of combo thing. The only downside to it is there's only so many people he can do it to because <laughs> you get you get too heavyweight on top of you there, and there's no way his legs can take it. So but Nijax, <laughs> yes, he's gonna do the he's gonna do <laughs> he's the gonna lumbar, lumbar check. check. Well, we got the mixed match thing coming up. You never know what'll happen. Yeah, there, we'll, right? we'll get to that later in the show. Yeah, yeah. We definitely have to talk about that. Uh, something else we have to discuss. We mentioned earlier how Finn Balor has been knocked down the card by Kane. He's still fighting the Miz Taraj for some reason. Hey. But as far as I'm concerned, at least he's having matches where he's winning. Even if he's spinning his wheels right now, let fine. Have him be at the bottom of the card, winning matches, looking good, getting over with the crowd. 
and then he can come back later. This is a guy you can plug into the top of the card at any time. Yeah, Finn so, ba- I'll watch Finn Balor and Bo Dallas wrestle, uh, technically wrestle all day long. This was uh, Curtis Axel this was week. Was it but, Axel? Yeah. Okay. So which, I didn't see it because I, I watched the Hulu version. Which in WWE logic means next week it's Finn versus both members of the Miztourage in a handicap. Right. I don't know. Whatever. And then it's a pre-show match at Royal Rumble. and you know. I, I still <laughs> say if they have a superstar shakeup, Finn should go to SmackDown Live because if you can imagine, the, and, and also in my opinion, go heel. Because if you can imagine a, a heel Finn Balor on SmackDown Live, they 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 need more good heels on SmackDown Live, and having him be a heel against AJ, having him be a heel against Bobby Roode, having him, having him be a heel against Nakamura. Oh, I'm <laughs> shivering. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's way better options for him right now than yeah. what's available for him on Raw. Agreed. Well, we also have to talk about finally, and last but certainly not least, uh, we had another Videotron promo. Promo off. Promo yeah. off between, uh, I don't know if it's Sister Abigail or Bray Wyatt who's talking and Woken Matt Well, he's Hardy. not wearing the Hot Topic makeup, so it's right. definitely Bray Wyatt. Fair. Uh, uh, one thing that stood out to me, this week they added the glass-shattering Woken thing, and it's fine to do it the first or second time, yeah, it's but every single time it changed. It, it really just broke down the dynamic of going back and forth between them for me. Pardon the pun. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely didn't work as well for me to have that graphic and the weird little like sound like when it broke. I thought it, I definitely thought it took away from the back and forth. That being said, this is just so bizarre to begin with. And granted, we knew we were getting biz- getting bizarre when Matt bizarre Hardy became, it's, it's it is Matt Hardy obviously is a very bizarre character as Woken Matt. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, by comparison to Bray Wyatt, it makes Bray Wyatt look again. I think it makes him look awful. And they're, you know, having them go back and forth. And now they're getting they're getting so crazy out there with storyline, like the weird supernatural storyline they're building up, how Matt knew Sister Abigail back in the times of Egypt. I love this shit. It's so freaking weird. And it's actually, it works better, in my opinion, on paper. I I read a transcript of what they were actually saying, and I went, oh, okay, that's what they're going for. That is kind of cool. But the delivery is just so... First of all, I don't like the back and forth because, again, the juxtaposition is not doing Bray any favors. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously I think, I think Woken Matt's very entertaining, but it's very campy and over the top, whereas Bray is trying to be dead serious with his stuff. Uh, so that it doesn't play. The tone just is way off. And the kinds of way he's talking under his breath every time. And that just gets annoying. You have to laugh more if you're doing a Bray Wyatt impression. (laughs) I can't believe (laughs) But it's, yeah, so it, it gets a little annoying, but on paper, both of these promos were interesting and kind of cool. Uh, I just wish that they could somehow make it more so that, that that got across as opposed to just sounding like two really weird guys. I was thinking when I was watching this, if someone who'd never watched wrestling or like had heard of wrestling, <laughs> if, they, if they turned the channel and this was on, their heads would explode. Yeah. They'd be like, what the, what the actual hell am I watching? Like, I, I watch wrestling. And I was like, what the hell am I watching? I can't imagine someone that someone would never watch wrestling again. If this is what they couldn't, you say the same thing about fashion files though. I no, I think fashion files has more of a universal (laughs) appeal because like you can get that they're being goofy and satirical. Sure. This is just so over the top and off the edge. I, yeah, it was absolutely bizarre, but something else on raw that did work for me is the current advancement of Jason Jordan's character. We've been saying in recent weeks, how they have just been deftly moving him from being an attempt at a baby face to just a brilliant, brilliant, whiny bitch heel. 
And he has done a, such a good job with that, including a segment this week where he comes and whines to Kurt again about not getting his rematch. And then, you know, at, at the end, Kurt's like, look, I'm going to tell you this as a GM. He tries to he tries to put his son in line, his son, has put his son in line and say, look, I got to talk to you as a GM. Like, you know, I can't give you this match. And Jason Deere goes, fine, fine, dad. Uh, or should I say, Kurt? And then he walks away. <laughs> it's just such a great, just, oh, you little, you little rat. And then he comes out later and interferes in the Samoa Joe Dean Ambrose match and pretty much costs Dean the match. And it's such, it, he's become such, like one of my favorite, just, he, there's not really any other heels like him no. right now. Just the guy who can go in and work in the ring. He's strong in the ring. He can't finish matches, though. And he's just this entitled, whiny little brat. It's fun. It's really fun. And he's doing a great job at it. So props to Jason Jordan. Props to the writing team. They're getting this one right. Yeah. Well, finally, Dana Brooke has joined Titus Worldwide, and nobody gives a shit. <laughs> I kind of give a shit. I miss Nurse Dana with the club. Oh. And she, she blew off the club to be in Titus Worldwide. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, trading a turd for a piece of shit, but it's still like, hey, I guess that happened. I, I miss her with the club. That was really fun. I, I thought that she and the club had, I thought, I think a better chemistry than Titus Worldwide. And we'll her see. Do and uh, will. To be determined, but we've got to actually get Titus Worldwide on TV or on the Hulu stuff or actually in a prominent position to do something yeah, I was gonna say, for be, it to even mean anything. This will be a really interesting angle to follow on main event. Yeah, right. All right. Well, <laughs> instead of talking about main event, we got to talk about the important stuff this week, and that's Clash of Champions. So to talk about that, let's go talk about SmackDown Live. Well, this week on SmackDown Live, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn attempted to recreate the magic of the Daniel Bryan Occupy Raw Yes movement <laughs> from three years ago, four yeah, about years three, ago. Three, four years ago. Uh, with the Yep movement. <laughs> Not, not to be confused with the yes movement. Well, I think it's very much to be confused with the yep, yes movement. <laughs> uh, they took yes his actual Daniel Bryan yes, yes, yes shirts, actual merch, taped. and taped uh, paper P's over the top of the S's. Paper peas. This was this was sibilance? this was instantly over with me. Yeah, I was in as soon as, and they were hand, walking around backstage with no Shane McMahon headshots uh, for Occupy SmackDown Live throughout the entire show. We saw this constantly building uh, with segments with them walking around, yeah, handing the, out this. In stuff. the middle of the show, uh, they go out to the ring and try to get everyone to come out and join them in the ring and yes. take over SmackDown. Nothing else is going to happen until we get our way, and no one came out except Daniel, Daniel Bryan. Bryan, who came out and was like, "Guys, what are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah, Daniel Bryan was just gold this entire show. He uh, not only did he tell them that you know th this segment with Kevin Owens and Sammy in the ring was interesting, and and, and how he told them, "Look, I'm going to be the extra referee in this match. I'll make sure Shane isn't screwing you guys. Like I understand, like I understand your complaints. They are somewhat legit. The way you're going about it is all wrong." Which basically just describes their heel characters yeah. is that they're right, but the way they're going about it is heelish. Uh, but he puts himself as the ref into the match. And then at the end of the show, Kevin Owens had a match against Nakamura, which was a serviceable, solid match. It was very good. And Daniel Bryan was on commentary. And I want to throw out a quick thing here. Daniel Bryan freaking annihilated Byron Saxton on this commentary. Because at one point, I believe he even said Byron, something to the effect of, Byron, you're basically a corporate stooge. You don't understand how it really works in the wrestling world. I, you know, I may have had my issues with all of these guys in the past, but you know, Randy Orton, Nakamura, Kevin Owens once had to try to gouge my eye out ten years ago when I had a detached retina. Yeah, you know, like that. This is 
how this works is not how you think it works just here in WWE. And it was, <laughs> he just burned him to the ground. And Saxton was just, and you know, Saxton does a really good job of playing the goofball character, but yep. I feel like that was, that was legit. Like he just got burned down by Daniel Bryan and it was amazing. Well, a couple of things to, to stand out here to me watching this whole thing go down. It really kind of clicked into focus for me what this is really all about. There's an element of Shane McMahon that is kind of becoming his father. He's becoming the, the guy that's going to be running WWE one of these days. And you can see a lot of those mannerisms that we all kind of you know, love or hate about Vince McMahon uh, starting to evolve themselves out of this kind of megalomaniacal sorts of things that he's been doing. And on the side of that, it's it's really coming into focus that Kevin and Sammy are right. Yeah. And they're really doing a good job in this storyline and with the commentary of putting over the fact that Shane McMahon is becoming this kind of megalomaniacal figure. This is actually some, one thing I wanted to talk about. You know, as we mentioned earlier in the show, they've, they've done a great job of making this whole angle really complex and it's a really big complex angle and they're balancing everything very well and it's actually hard to determine what the most interesting aspect of this giant angle complex angle is if it's kevin owens and sammy's beef with management and the and the fact that they are right they have a legit complaint if it's uh the fact that randy and nakamura are a team no that's not the most interesting thing at all but it's kind of no. cool uh if it's shane's downward spiral as you say into mcmahon next mcmahonness or whatever you want to call it like <laughs> becoming his dad if it's daniel bryan's you know conflicted interesting character of what he's really thinking you have a lot of times where he just kind of stares off into space and you can tell uh, from an acting standpoint wheels are turning like he's doing a good job of making you think he's thinking hard about these things that are going on and he's kind of stuck in the middle of all of this and trying to play all sides and make everyone work together uh and it's also where we're going to go after this like what what are Kevin Owens and Sammy going to do? Are they going to turn face at some point? Are they going to split up? Are they going to like, what's the end game for them? Is there an end game for Randy and Nakamura past this feud? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And I can't tell you what the most interesting part is because it changes week to week and minute to minute. It's a really interesting, well-written TV feud for WWE. You mentioned Daniel Bryan, and I want to throw one more thing in there because one of the things that came out to me that was interesting was having been having watched through the, the Yes movement and his rise against all odds against the authority and, and everything during that, that movement to him actually getting the title, what I'm seeing him kind of remembering what he went through. Right. Uh, and now he's seeing Kevin and Sammy. And I'm thinking that's where the relation is coming in because he can relate as an individual having gone through that stuff. Oh, and absolutely. The way that they're building him to, yeah. you know, talking about his indie history and talk, you know, him seeing himself reflected in these indie darlings of Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn um, and having him, you know, seeing reflections in how he fought against the establishment. There's a lot of nuance here. And we're not used to seeing this level of nuance in WWE storylines. Like I'm really happy with the, how delicately they're playing a lot of this and whether that's Daniel Bryan personally doing this uh, or the creative team or a combination, it's being done really well. Yeah. And it's certainly a lot more interesting than another feud we have to talk about, which is AJ versus gender. And you know, this is the, this is the WWE title match and it's taken a big back seat to this other main feud, this Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Randy and Nakamura and Shane and Daniel. That doesn't Bryan even have a title kerfuffle. involved. No title, no title necessary. It's just, it's well-written storyline. Yeah. Um, whereas this thing with AJ and gender is basically just a glorified rematch and they're trying to build some heat for it. And they had a fun little segment this week where the Sing, Sing brothers came out and tried to say that they were with AJ 
And I, it took me a while to figure out what was really going on because it was kind of kind of confusing. Yeah. Uh, but it ended up being, it looked like the Singh brothers were trying to trick AJ and he figured it out. And so he kicked them out of the ring and Jinder came out and then he said, no, we're really going to have a one-on-one match. I don't even know. And then they, Jinder attacked him backstage later. It was, it was what it was, but it really did feel like WWE telling us like, yeah, we know we're going to get this over with. Jinder has his rematch and then we're done with this whole Jinder experiment. Yep. We, we know, you know, just let us get through this. Well, speaking of weird booking decisions, we have to talk about the <laughs> what's going on with the Riot Squad in, oh, the, in the women's division as opposed to what how well they're doing with Absolution on Raw and how terribly they're doing it on SmackDown Live. And it's almost a mirror image well, the of the same thing, creative. Well, that's the, first of all, yes, it's it seems uninspired. They're, they're at a disadvantage to begin with. One, they don't have the star power of Absolution with Paige at the helm. That's one. Two, they're on second in the week. So anything that Absolution does, they have to try try to be better than and not seem like a cheesy knockoff. That's not working. That's what's exactly what's exactly happening. What's happening? So they're they're immediately at a disadvantage. It doesn't help that they've done a terrible job of selling the Riot Squad as a legitimate force compared to Absolution. Absolution comes across as a legit scary force. Riot Squad comes across as a couple of girls who came out from NXT and they're like, we're trying to fit in by being dicks to everybody, and it's. It's not working. They don't come across as convincingly dominant. They keep get. They got beaten down by Charlotte solo this week. Remember how we talked about Oscar fighting off uh, Absolution, but eventually got beaten down. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Charlotte. Charlotte knocked out all the members of Riot Squad and Natty at the same time, and then eventually, like you know, everything everything came back, and she ended up getting knocked down in the ring. But it was it was nowhere near as. Uh, elegantly done as the Oscar one, yeah. the Oscar beat down. Uh, it, it made the Riot Squad look like a joke again. I feel like this is the worst thing they could have done to Ruby Riot. I don't know that Liv Morgan and, and Sarah are ready to uh, to be here. I think they should have stayed in NXT a little bit longer. Ruby's absolutely ready for this. Bringing her in as a heel is a mistake. I'm I'm 100% against everything they're doing with these three ladies on SmackDown Live. It just doesn't fit it's not working guys well and here's the thing if they had been brought in like this without absolution on the on monday night raw we probably wouldn't be as so down on it yeah but in in relation to how they're doing absolution on monday it makes it look so much worse and so derivative even to the fact that they had the entire woman's locker room out to to scare off riot squad on smackdown it's like you're doing the exact same thing only you're doing it terribly yeah. and it looks even more terrible in, in in contrast to raw when we're seeing what they're doing on raw the day before yeah. it's yeah it's it's awful uh and I, I think that in um it might get better for them once we're done with the charlotte and natty feud on sunday uh once everything moves on there hopefully we can you know get into something a little bit better for the riot squad i think that them being lumped in with every other woman in the lumberjack match i don't think that's an interesting angle so hopefully once Natty and Charlotte, which is, by the way, a dead feud as well, another yeah. one like AJ and Jinder, we just got to get over with, uh, you know, which is also not a good thing for Clash of Champions. We've got two feuds that we have to want to be done. So yeah, hopefully that'll end, and then we can, hopefully Riot Squad can pick up the pieces and they can the creative can actually do something creative and not <laughs> derivative. Well, let's move over and talk about the United States Championship match that's going to be going down, uh, now booked as a triple threat with Bobby Roode, Dolph Ziggler, and Baron Corbin, our current champion. Um, we had a Bobby Roode out on commentary with us this week. 
and it devolved into him going in and giving Dolph Ziggler a glorious DDT and disqualification, and it just turned into a bit of a melee with Bobby Roode standing tall at the end. Well, it was basically a carbon copy of the match between Bobby Roode and Baron Corbin last week with Dolph Ziggler on commentary and coming in and doing his finishing move on both guys and standing tall. <laughs> it was the, I like, again. Come on, SmackDown. Again, you know, creative is being derivative. Derivative, excuse me. This is another instance where we just saw this exact same thing last week with Dolph Ziggler. It doesn't do anything for Bobby Roode to stand tall at this. And frankly, if anything, it just shows their hand that Corbin's going to retain. So, yeah, I thought this was also just kind of a nothing segment. Uh, and I don't think Ziggler being in this feud is helping it at all. If anything, it cools off the other two guys from having their the intensity of their feud. So, yeah, yeah I, another instance where I think the writing is off on SmackDown. As much as we're, we're into the biggest angle, yeah. some of these small angles are, are not working. Yeah. Well, the continually adding in of extra people seems to be doing less, doing more bad stuff than good. Uh, by adding them into these feuds. And speaking of more bad than good, while we're bitching about the writing on SmackDown, let's talk about what they've done to fashion files. You know, we had this long, almost six-month-long angle where they're trying to crack the case of who, you know, two B are. Yeah. And obviously the entire time, we all know it's Bludgeon Brothers, at least for the last month or so ever since we started getting the vignettes. Uh, and then this week, instead of having this whatever you want to call it, the season finale or the final episode of, of Fashion Files, be on TV, it's only on social media, and it's lightly referenced on SmackDown, and then all of a sudden we have Fashion Files, and we have Brizango in a match against the Bludgeon Brothers this weekend on Clash of Champions. It was, it's such a, it's, it's too bad because the Fashion Files was so much fun, and it has been kind of trailing off lately, but this is kind of a sad way for it all to finish, is to have this, I mean, unless there's something that they're going to swerve me on on Sunday as far as Breezango going up against uh, the, the Bludgeon Brothers. It's entertaining to watch Fandango and, and Breeze both be just terrified of having this match with these guys. Yeah. Like, But if they go out there and they get squashed, as everyone else does against Bludgeon Brothers, then this has been a whole lot of build for nothing, and they've wasted a lot of good TV in service to it. Well, what what made really good TV, for me at least, uh, being my, showing my love for the big guys, uh, the Bludgeon Brothers were <laughs> in that, action. Say, say that again? <laughs> yeah. Showing my love for the big guys in wrestling. <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. The Bludgeon Brothers were in action against another pair of local jobbers, one of which might have been five foot two and 100 pounds soaking wet, but they got him up into a power bomb and he screamed at the top of it before he went down. At, you know, I, probably like I would if I was up on uh, Harper's shoulders. Like he was. Like any of us human beings would. But by the way, I just want to point out, he was not a local jobber. That was that guy was on the on WWE's name was Joe Monroe. In the yellow his, trunks? Yeah. His real name is Juan Francisco de Coronado. Okay. He's the, he's the Chikara Grand Champ. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's the Grand Champion of Chikara. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's a funny, funny fact. But yeah, he no, he's a. Uh, is that one of his gimmicks? Is screaming like that? Well, Chikara is more of a kind of a comedy wrestling outfit. Yeah. So you know, it, it, that's one. He's well, he's a really good technical wrestler, actually. <laughs> but yeah, they, they, like I said, it is more of kind of a comedy wrestling. I believe it's where uh, I believe it's where Kota Ibushi had his match against the Blow Up Doll. Okay. Um, <laughs> The famous match, but yeah, so no, it's, uh, or was it Kenny Omega had his match against the six-year-old or the seven-year-old? I forget. Anyway, I forget, but it's, but yeah, no, Chikara is more of a, a comedy play. So it's, I think that was him showing like just those flashes of brilliant comedy chops because that was a great moment. Like even the <laughs> announcers were, were corpsing about it. Like it's just too, the entire crowd. You can see them all cracking up at this guy. <gasps> <laughs> he's getting power bombed to hell. 
the double power bomb with his partner at the end. It almost it, it was a little bit botchy because he came. They they threw him down and he came down on his shoulder. And I was like, damn, they yeah. just they just snapped his arm off with yeah. that move. Yeah, it was a crucifix power bomb. Yeah, yeah. Is that what they're calling that now? <laughs> well, that's what it technically is. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, so okay. By the way, while we're speaking of things that make us happy on SmackDown yes. Live, you know what day it is, Nick? It's, it's Rusev Day again. Yes. Once again, Rusev and Aiden English win a match, and they don't just win a match; they beat the tag champs. Yes. Now this wasn't a, this wasn't actually a title match. But they beat him pretty clean. I mean, there was a little well, bit of Well, there was lots of interference things going on. I mean, you had the New Day, Big E in a blue apron, and that was it. Throwing uh, with pancakes. a giant pan of pancakes. Throwing pancakes at uh, Corey Graves. Just genius. Uh, and uh, basically the entire New Day there, you had Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. Coming down and talking stuff, so, and he's even using the net. So I think this is funny how this has evolved. The Usos started calling him that just as a as a gag, like "Look how pretty you are, Shelton, Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin." And then he said it back to him this week. Just genius. I, yeah, I Gabe, love that back and forth. Gable and Benjamin out on the ramp, come out and you know talk smack on the mic, and then watch the match. Uh, Gable, I thought gave a really funny promo, and the audience just no sold it, which was I thought was kind of sad. The whole it, day, this day and that day. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, and the audience was like. And I was, I was bummed out by that, but I don't know why they're not more over because they're fantastic. All the, the entire tag division on SmackDown right now is fantastic. These four teams are killer. And then you're not even talking about the Bludgeon Brothers and, and Fashion Files and, and Breezango. The, the punnery of, of Gable and, and ben, Benjamin's promo is, is what I wanted to reference there. Yeah. Is, uh, he, what did he say? King Kong ain't got ish. On me, and he goes, no, no, that's, that's training day. Training, yeah, day. That's it's just genius. Who, if they wrote, new the, day, came up with that? day one ish. It was uh, go watch it. We can't do it. We can't do it justice. But it was great. <laughs> um, speaking of things that are great, Nick, I uh, think so if we can let's, reference, let's our, collectively pat ourselves on the back. We can here. reference our last week's show. I believe that we said specifically that Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder would be having their big feud blow off match. On the pre-show of Clash of Champions this week, announced on SmackDown Live, Mojo Raleigh versus Zack Ryder. Imagine that. On the pre-show of Clash <laughs> of Champions. Once again, showing that we are the podcast to go to if you want the predictions yes. that are going to be correct. We are right more often than not. Check our history. Listen to our shows. Well, Ian's are. Well, that's definitely. Mine are just fan- fantasy bullshit. So. Definitely true. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of which, let's go down the Clash of Champions card as we know it today, Thursday, because we got three days left, and let's run down and make our picks. Let's do it. All right, right off the top, let's. We're just talking about Zack Ryder versus Mojo Raleigh. Who do you think has this one? Uh, Mojo. I think he needs to be established as a heel, and he needs to just basically beat down Zack for ruining his last year of being in the WWE. You know what? I'm actually going to agree with you. I think that once again, uh, we will see Zack Ryder's bald spot spray staining the mat uh, as his head goes down for the pin. One, two, three. I'm also picking Mojo Raleigh. Next up, we have the face-off between, uh, hopefully this is the end. I don't know. They do it well. It's the Brizongo finding out 2B and coming to resolution against the Bludgeon Brothers. Who are you taking for this one, Nick? Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, I'm afraid I am too. As much as I'd love to see Brizongo go over, I cannot. I can't imagine that they're going to stop the Bludgeon Brothers' momentum at this point by having them lose to Brizango, who've been who've been established as a capable team, but ultimately a couple of jobbers. Just to make this interesting, I want to put a point five on this that the Ascension Ooh. gets involved somehow. Ooh, okay. You Are you what? in on that? Uh, I will. I will take that action. Okay. Uh, and I, I, all right. 
<laughs> that's fine. I I don't. Th- yeah, I I could see that. I'll take the negative on that. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got the tag team four way. We have got the Usos, who are the champs, versus the new versus New Day, Rusev Day, and for lack of a better title, American Alpha two Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Who do you have here? I could talk about potential outcomes of this match for an hour, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to throw my pick out there. Usos retain. Ooh, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think that's a. Here's the thing. I could see any of these teams picking this up in this. Well, I'm uh, kind of ruling out the new day. Here was my line of thought. I'm ruling out the new day. Something's going to happen with Rusev and Aiden English and go wonky. They're not going to get it. American Alpha 2.0 versus Usos is the feud I want to see coming out of this match. Agreed. Going forward. So I think Usos are going to retain and it's going to become a close match at the end between um, uh, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. And I think that's the feud we're going to have going forward. But to get there, Usos have to retain. And you know what? I think that in, in some ways, I think you're right. I think that um, it's either going to be the Usos or American Alpha 2.0 picking up the win here. Uh, I think the more likely answer is Usos, but because you already picked them and I want to make this competitive, <laughs> okay, and also because I'm insane, I'm going to pick Rusev Day. What? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going insane. Oh I'm gonna, well, I'm going to pick Rusev Day. And I'm probably going to regret it come next week. You, when you I, don't get to make fun about me and my crazy predictions I, anymore. Well, I'm putting it out there with the <laughs> caveat that I know I'm making a crazy decision. And when next week, if I lose this pickums, I'm going to point to this particular moment right here is the moment where I call that I'm probably going to lose because of this off-the-wall pick. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, moving over to the U.S. title triple threat match between Bobby Roode, Baron Corbin, and Dolph Ziggler. Who you got? Uh, this is well, this one for me is an easy one. Baron Corbin is absolutely going to retain here. I can't see them putting it on uh, Bobby Roode at this point. Uh, I think there's an outside chance they could put it on Ziggler, but at the same time, I don't know where that leaves Corbin. I think that leaves him somewhat adrift. So I really can't see anyone else picking it up, but uh, Corbin is going to retain. I, I'm, I tend to agree with you for the most part, but I do think there's an outside chance because I do think he's ready. Uh, Bobby Roode is going to sneak this this victory out and walk away with the United States Championship. So I'm going to pick Bobby Roode. I'm actually I'm actually kind of hoping he does too. Yeah. I just don't see it, and I think this could be your Rusev Day moment. Moving on, we got to talk about the women's title lumberjack match: Charlotte versus Natalia, with all the other women in the division outside. Who do you have here, uh, Charlotte? Really, Charlotte to retain? There's really nothing to really talk about here. It just It's Charlotte. It yeah. needs to be Charlotte. She's carrying that division. Frankly, the number one woman in WWE as far as I'm concerned. And having her without a title in her kind of queen persona, she doesn't need to be fighting upwards. Natalia needs to be fighting upwards or revenge-worthy kind of getting back. But this is all Charlotte for me. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine Charlotte losing either. I kind of want to pick Charlotte as the safe bet here as well. I... I, I well, you've already made your risk for the pick'em, so I think do your right. safe bet. I think you my safe bet and take Charlotte on this, no doubt. I almost want to add a plus five, uh, plus or minus point five for the um, possibility of a cash in. I think this with the chaos of a lumberjack Ooh. match, it could be a, an ideal time for a cash in. But I don't. Yeah, I think it also could just be too confusing to have a cash in at this point, and I don't think that Carmella having the belt right now would make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I don't with storylines going forward. No, they need so. to establish that Charlotte has that belt long term, and I, and that's where I think where they're going to go. I I honestly think she'll hold that thing till WrestleMania, like Seth did. Uh, I could see her losing it sometime in the next couple pay per views, and then re- re- getting it back at WrestleMania. Okay, because uh, you know, no, no her- I'm talking about Carmella with the cash in. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, she could do. She could have a uh, Seth Rollins moment. Yeah, that's for sure. 
Uh, moving on, we got to talk about the special referee tag match. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, keep in mind, we didn't reference this in the show earlier, but Shane McMahon did make this a if Sammy and Kevin lose, they are fired from all of WWE. With that in mind, who you got? There's no way Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens can lose this match at this point. I'm definitely picking them. I have a whole lot to say that we don't really have time for about the shenaniganry, to quote you, uh, that could go on during this match. I think this will be an incredibly long match. I think we're going to see all kinds of stuff. The, the major outcome of this, for me, is not the competitors in the ring. It's what's going to happen between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan that we really haven't gotten a glimpse of yet. Yeah, And I absolutely. think that's what's the outcome of this match. Sure, is this, is, this is a big storyline match. And you know, it is there is an outside chance that Sammy and Kevin Owens could lose and then get quote-unquote fired and then have Daniel Bryan quote-unquote bring them back in. Yeah, There yeah. is that possibility. I just, I'm not going to waste a bet on it. Because <laughs> no. that's... That would be, I think that would be a really interesting angle, but we're playing it safe today. I feel bad for Nakamura in this match. I just want to put that out there too. I feel bad for Nakamura since he came to the main roster. Let's call a spade a spade. Moving over to the WWE Championship, Jinder Mahal versus AJ Styles. Anyway, Jinder pulls this one out. Yeah, there is. Really? I think so. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bet on it. AJ's going to retain, but I can have, we've said all year, there's no way Jinder's doing, oh, he kept it. There's no way Jinder's, oh, he kept it. We've been saying it all year. I would not be surprised if, for some reason, they put this back onto Gender Mahal. Frankly, I would be absolutely shocked if Gender after after the debacle that was their India tour and the horrible attendance numbers that they had for what was supposed to be a huge match between Gender and Triple H, which we'll talk about later. The gender experiment has officially failed. Yes. It has officially failed. The whole idea was to get them big numbers in India, and that has not worked at all. I don't think there's any way they're putting that belt back on gender at this point. They've, they've got the belt on the the typical the top guy. They've got it on their top guy in WWE, and yep. that's where it needs to stay. And frankly, you could have so many feuds with AJ in the future that are not gender, and you can actually make that belt relevant again after six months of basically wallowing on gender. As much as I have a soft spot for gender, it's it's over. Let's almost, move on. Almost all of the greats of NXT over the last five years are right there at your fingertips to feud yep. with AJ Styles for yep. the championship in your company. Yep. And you're going to push... Gender. Nope. 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 No way in hell that's happening. 2018 is going to be the rise of the NXT superstars that are on the main roster. I think in my it's going to be AJ's year too, where yeah. I, hopefully the company finally realizes what they have in AJ and they really give him the attention that he deserves. I want him on the Today Show. I want him on the video game and all that stuff. He, to me, is what they want Roman Reigns to be. You're not kidding. If he's not on the cover of WWE 2K19, I'll be shocked. Yep. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is our WWE coverage for this week, but we are nowhere near done because, dear God, there was so much to talk about out in the rest of wrestling. It is a golden age of wrestling right now, and so much is going on. We need to go talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, I know we said we were going to go talk about the wide world of wrestling, but we can't escape WWE without talking about some of the big stuff that's been going on in NXT after the fallout of the last TakeOver event with Cian Almas as the new champ. We've got some new contenders coming up. Some big matches have been going on. Yeah, the last couple of weeks have been awesome, as you would expect on, on NXT. And this was actually the first week that NXT was on the USA Network. Yeah. It was, quote-unquote, WWE Week on USA Network, where they had Raw on Monday, SmackDown on Tuesday, NXT on Wednesday, and on 
Thursday they had tribute to the troops. That was today. Obviously, we can't talk about that because we haven't seen it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so NXT is now going to get shown to a much bigger audience, which is great because they're starting off with a really good uh, show this week. Uh, so because of the injury to Drew McIntyre, They've announced there's going to be a series of one-on-one matches, and the winners of those matches will go on to be in a fatal four-way for the number one contendership, which I think is really good booking. Yeah, a little mini tournament. Yeah, it feels more competitive. It yeah. makes makes sense. So last week, as we referenced on the show last week, we had Cassius Ono versus Gargano in what people are calling the best TV match in NXT history, which I think is a debatable statement because they've had a lot of great TV matches. There's but, been a few of those. But it's certainly in the discussion because yeah. it was it was fantastic. Um, we also had Killian Dane versus Trent Seven last week. Uh, Gargano and Dane both won their matches. They're both in the Fatal 4-Way. That's going to be coming up. This week, we had Adam Cole versus Aleister Black in another great match. I mean, didn't didn't hold up to Cassius Ono and Johnny Gargano, but little does. Yeah. But it was still a great match. Uh, they had some great spots in it. Uh, I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah, the the Black Adam Cole match felt more like a storyline match of sorts, not really a because we knew Alistair Black was going to win that. There was, he has to be in the he's not losing. He's not losing his first match to Adam Cole, right? And so they did a good job of protecting the Black Mask going into a contendership match. I can see him being the next big number one contender for the NXT Championship. I oh, I thought it was going to be him all along. Cian almost was a surprise to me. So I, I can definitely see him coming out of this with the championship long term. Uh, again, as I said before, I don't think Cian almost is dropping the belt so soon after getting it. I think Black is going to lose in the Fatal 4-Way, uh, but someone else is going to take the pin and Alistair's record will remain un- unbroken. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think that at some point in the future, the belt will go on him. But I think it's going to be further in the future than this particular number one contendership. Uh, speaking of the champs, Cien almost did have a match against Fabian Eichner this week. Wow. Eichner has stepped up. I mean, he first he put he on gets a, bigger every week. Well, he put on a ton of weight, but didn't have any definition. And now he's starting to like he's starting to grow into his body. Like his muscles are starting to get defined in his bigger body. This dude can still do all the cruiserweight stuff, though. He had a, a running top rope suicide plancha on, t- on the Cien almost <laughs> at one point. This was another just great, very uh, athletic match from these two quick. But uh, Cien almost beat him and retains the championship, as you would expect. But another good showing for Fabian Eichner. Yeah, and over on the women's side, uh, their championship, Ember Moon had a match against Peyton Royce, where she actually got the eclipse off on Peyton Royce and Pender. But Mauro Ranallo, with one of his great lines, Billy Kay came in to basically just maul Ember Moon after the, the match was over. And Mauro Ranallo chimes in with, every kick begins with Kay. Ugh. And Mauro, my God. My God, he's, you are a genius, he's sir. Ha- he's having some Jim Ross lines. You, like you are next level commentary, dude. Somebody check that man's DNA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's having some. He's having some great stuff. Uh, th- at the end of this match, though, Nikki Cross gets involved and saves Ember Moon from uh, the iconic duo, and then she just runs off again. And it was kind of one of those, "What the hell is going on with Nikki Cross? Why is she Who protecting cares? Ember?" It's hilarious. Well, I think that's just her being batshit. It's her being batshit, but it's also her in a way. She was staring at the belt and saying, "Like I want my chance too." So maybe we'll have a Nikki Cross Ember Moon feud going forward. Well, I think we're totally gonna down with. we've eliminated Peyton Royce now uh, with this loss, and now I think we're gonna have Nikki Cross and maybe even a Kyrie Sane in between them. All the ladies that were in the Fatal Four Way, uh, I think, are gonna have their opportunities to come back at Ember Moon yeah. over the next couple of months. But between now and the next Takeover events. So I, I I can definitely see them building that as a way to get Nikki Cross in there, or the way that she was looking at the the belt that way. But uh, yeah, we've got Peyton Royce done. Kyrie Sane and Nikki Cross definitely going to have their chances. Lots of exciting possibilities. Uh, we also had AOP, uh, the Authors of Pain, destroy 
uh, Oni Lorcan and 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 uh, Birch. What's his name? <laughs> Danny Birch. <laughs> Danny Birch. Thank you. They got destroyed. They they looked strong for a little bit. We're slapping the. T- Aced out of the mouths of the uh, AOP, literally. <laughs> but then the at the end, AOP just mauled them and won, as you would expect. I think AOP is ready for the main roster, I and mean, they've they've, yeah. they've they've done everything they're going to do in NXT. They've got to get called up. Um, By the way, of, that that Death Valley driver into the turnbuckles is just that it, looked it, it's nasty. annihilating. But good job on uh, I think it was Occam that that did the move. Uh, good job protecting. Because that move could hurt somebody yeah, if, I, if done I, improperly. I can't tell. I still haven't gotten who's who, which one's Occam, which one's <laughs> Razor by look. Yeah. But one of them is getting freaking huge. Like they were already big, but one of them is just his traps are getting bigger. He's looking even more scary than they already did. Uh, speaking of huge, next week on NXT, we have an enormous, enormous NXT. You've got Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate 2 for the UK championship. You have Sanity, who, by the way, had a promo this week, and you showed, you showed the uh, stitches of the staples up on the head of, uh, of Wolf. Alexander Wolf had a huge gash on his head from the War Games match still, and they were playing with his staples, which was really uncomfortable. <laughs> Plus, he had a neck brace. I don't know if you noticed that. No. Like, he was messed up. I thought up. it was a big scar for something. Oh, it was a neck brace. Oh, man. It was, like, okay. signatures on it and everything. But they have a match next week against... Uh, Fish and O'Reilly. I don't know if uh, if Wolf will be able to compete if he's just selling a neck injury or if he really is legit injured, uh, or if it's going to be Killian Dane uh, in instead of Wolf. But I'm looking forward to that match. That should be a great one. And also, we got told that Shayna Baszler is going to debut finally in the next week or so. Who also might be shooting for Ember Moon. Come to think of it. Mm. So NXT has been very exciting and lots more to come. But if we're talking about excitement, we also got to talk about New Japan because they just finished up their World Tag League this last week. Uh, I was only able to watch a few matches of it because it was just so much content. What did you say? It was like four hours a day for two weeks straight. Pretty much with a couple of breaks because, you know, they're (laughs) they're going all over the place. It It was it's hard to keep up. Uh, but I, of the matches I saw, I got to say, I, I watched the uh, Michael Elgin and uh, Jeff Cobb versus the best friends, Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T. That was an absolutely amazing match. And I, I can't imagine another match being more impressive than that in terms of just like the strength spots and the, the good timing and everything. You know, obviously, we have some lot of love for Jeff Cobb here. However, I'm I am sad to say Michael Elgin uh, I don't know if you've been keeping abreast of Twitter recently, but uh, so Elgin runs a, a wrestling school and one of his wrestlers was accused of uh, sexual assault and Elgin took this guy's side. And not only that, but uh, he started ab- abusing the woman that was involved uh, over text messages. She released the text messages online on Twitter. And I'm sorry, there is no way you read these text messages and have any kind of love for Michael Elgin after it. He is a piece of shit. Wow. Capital P, capital O, capital S. Uh, really disappointing because he is a, a very talented wrestler. But my God, you know, he's the, the stuff he was saying to her and the way he was defending this guy in his company, his company's shut down now because of this. Uh, and it was... It really looks bad for mm-hmm. him, and I, I, you know, I know he's lost some gigs because of it. Because of it, new, his new Japan stuff is in jeopardy because of it, and I can't imagine this guy getting cheered ever again. Like he really came across as an absolute garbage human being. Mm. Well, other teams uh, that also had good showings in the World Tag League, we had the Killer Elite Squad uh, and War Machine. 
They also had 10 points over in block B. What's the uh, what's the rankings look like right now in the blocks? Well, it's interesting because they had to... So right now, uh, at the end of it all, the Gorillas of Destiny squeaked out a win over uh, Killer Elite Scott and War Machine. They were all tied, and then uh, Gorillas of Destiny pulled away. Also in block B, just behind them with eight points, you had uh, Ishii and Toru Yanu. You had the best friends, which we just referenced, and Cobb and Elgin. They were all just behind the top guys. Killer Elite Squad and War Machine, they, they've been fighting with Gorillas of Destiny over the tag belts all year. Yeah. Uh, Killer Elite, or the last half of the year. Killer Elite Squad are the current tag champs. The people who win the World Tag League get a shot at them at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, which, you know, the finals were uh, the Gorillas of Destiny versus uh, Evil and Sonata, who won block A. Uh, and right behind them, uh, just behind them with eight points, you had uh, the Bullet Club with Hangman Page and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, uh, Goto and Yoshihashi and Death Juice all had eight points. Death Juice, mm. of course, being Sammy Callahan right. and uh, Juice Robinson. Apparently, Callahan was getting told by the, the, the New Japan uh, brass to stop kissing guys during his match. <laughs> Apparently, they were getting a little uncomfortable with that. That was kind of his gig. I don't know. But yeah, the finals were uh, Girls of Destiny versus uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón. And Los Ingobernables pulled out the win. A lot of shenanigans, a lot of um, uh, interference from outside the ring. But at the end, uh, there was a big win. Evil uh, pinned Tamatonga. And now it's going to be Evil and Sonata versus the Killer Elite Squad at Wrestle Kingdom, which I think is a great damn. It's a great match. Evil has had a big year. I think this was this way. Uh, this this was their way of saying, look, we can't really put you in a singles match but we're going to give you a shot at the tag championships. And frankly, they are my pick to pick up those belts. Killer Elite Squad. Uh, no, to, they're going to beat Killer Elite Squad. I think Evil and Sonata are going to beat Killer Elite Squad. You're oh, going you're to talking have, about Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, well, they beat Gorillas of Destiny at World Tag League. They're going to go against Killer Elite Squad for the belts at Wrestle Kingdom. I got you. And I think that that's where they're going to pick up the belts. And you're going to have Los Ingobernables holding all the big belts, or at least wow. uh, three of the big ones. The tag well, belts. Naito is a part of them too, well, right? Because Naito is the leader, and he's yeah. going to face against Okada. And, you know, Scuttlebutt is he's taking the belt there. Uh, as far as other little notes, I wanted to point out uh, Hiromu had a Hiromu Takahashi, our boy, yep. had a match, uh, a tag match, and involved was Will Ospreay. And he finally pinned Will Ospreay after all this time. Damn cat. He finally caught that damn cat. <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of which, I forgot to bring him today, but we actually have a new uh, mascot yes. for the Busted Wide Open podcast, uh, Gerald Takahashi. Uh, no relation. Yeah. Will be joining us next week. Uh, a, a stuffed cat that looks remarkably similar to Daryl Takahashi. It's, it's a, a slight familial resemblance. Maybe. I wonder after, uh, after Bad Luck Fale murdered him if he somehow got cloned and maybe we now have clones of what was Daryl running around the world well, now. I certainly think that a, a small part of the spirit of Daryl lives in Gerald. And uh, <laughs> well, you'll meet him next week. You'll, yes. You can see for yourself. Right now, uh, WrestleMania King, uh, Wrestle Kingdom, WrestleMania. Good Lord. Wrestle Kingdom 12, which is happening the beginning of January, is going to be freaking huge. Yeah. This is going to be one of the biggest things to watch, at least until WrestleMania. I mean, way bigger than the Royal Rumble. You've got Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito, as we said, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship belt, a match they've been building for years and years. We've been looking forward to that all year. Uh, you've got Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Switchblade Jay White for the Intercontinental belt. Nice. You have one of my most anticipated matches, which is the Junior Heavyweight belt four-way, which is Marty Skrull, Will Ospreay, Hiromu Takahashi, and Kushida, who've all been bouncing off each other all year long. That's going to be a barn burner, calling it now. You have the junior heavyweight tag belts uh, between Rapungi 3K and uh, the Young Bucks. Damn. 
You've got Killer Elite Squad, as we found out, versus Sonata and Evil for the heavyweight tag belts. You have Minoru Suzuki versus Hiroki Goto, which uh, so Suzuki's the never heavy, the never open weight belt. Yeah, uh, Goto has put his beautiful long mane of hair on the line. It's going to be a title versus hair match. And <laughs> so then, Cody gets to shave his head. Uh, Minoru Suzuki gets to shave his head. If, oh, Minoru, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but speaking of Cody, Cody does have a match against Kota freaking Ibushi for the the Ring of Honor heavyweight belt is getting defended at this match. Uh, and that then, doesn't make any sense, though. Oh yeah, they have a, they have a working partnership. Remember how earlier this year Suzuki went and faced Cody in America for Isn't the Ring of Honor. Is he already belt? defending that belt at the Ring of uh, Final Battle? Uh, yes, we'll get to that, Nick. Don't <laughs> jump, don't jump ahead of me, my friend. Uh, yeah, there's, there's that's something we got to talk about there. Okay. Um, and then in probably one of the most anticipated matches, so much so that at this point it has become the co-main event. Chris Jericho will challenge Kenny Omega for the U.S. title. And uh, I don't know if you've seen, there's been a couple of big events that happened the last week. First, uh, at the very last, the World Tag League Championship uh, special. Press conference thing. Uh, well, there, there was a press conference later. At the actual event, uh, Kenny Omega was in a match. It was a tag match, and he ends up winning. And at the end of it, uh, Chris Jericho has, a, a on the Titantron, or whatever they call it, uh, on the big screen, there's a big promo from Chris Jericho. And after it, the lights go out. And when the lights come back up, Standing in the ring behind Kenny Omega is Chris Jericho himself. No shit. Proceeds to give him a monster code breaker, which Kenny Omega sells like death. And then he <laughs> proceeds to beat down Kenny Omega and ends up drawing blood on him, which what? I don't know if you know this. This is a big deal in Japan. They don't draw blood that often, at least not intentionally. So it was a big deal that they let, they let him uh, actually. Are they know. blading or was that hard way kind of shit? Uh, I couldn't tell. I, I, I think he hit him with the belt, so it could have been hard way. Huh. But I, it was intentional, so it may have been a blade job. I wasn't looking closely enough. Um, but even Don Callis, the announcer, got in the ring and took a, a, a code breaker from Jericho as well, which I think, or, or yeah, legit injured him. I mean, his neck was messed up. Oh, um, so, but then later, as you were saying, there was a press conference. Where Kenny Omega was having a press conference, he said, you know, I should have seen this coming. I should have seen this is just what Chris Jericho does. I, with all the stuff we've been exchanging on Twitter over the last, I should have known he's going to do this to me, uh, which I thought was a great angle. He leaves. Jericho comes in, starts cursing at people and acting like a dick. Kenny Omega comes back in, jumps Jericho. It's it's all good stuff. It's all online. There's a huge pull-apart brawl. across. You know, it, it, They made it look like a real press conference. It felt like a real sports press conference. It was a lot of fun. Go check it out online. It's a great build for this match, and I think it's brilliant because they're, first of all, they don't normally do that kind of lights out, lights back up the guys in the ring stuff. That's very WWE. So it's like Chris Jericho is injecting a bit of like a WWE production style into their Japan style. Hmm. And like the press conference attacks are very WWE, even though they shot it New Japan style. Yeah. So it seems like they're doing it to be very accessible to a Western audience, which is smart because it's one of the best opportunities they have to get over really big here in America with two English language guys, uh, one of whom is extremely recognizable to the American audience and one of whom who people, if they don't know who he is, they've heard his name yeah. in Kenny Omega. Uh, and I think this is a, this is a breakthrough moment for them. It could be a breakthrough moment for New Japan with how they're building this match. Hmm. And I, uh, you know, and it's it's very unorthodox for Japan how this match is being built. And apparently, they weren't entirely comfortable with the blood and and the the uh, the violence and all that. But they they saw the reaction online, and they were kind of like, you know, go for it, guys. Yeah, like, go get dude, it, Jericho. <laughs> go get it. You, I mean, Jericho's doing some incredibly good heel work. It's not like the stuff you saw in, in WWE. It's much more gritty, much more vicious. 
Uh, he's bringing out a really good side of Kenny Omega. It's all looking really good. So that is, it's a fantastic feud. It deserves to be the co-main event of Wrestle Kingdom. When is Wrestle Kingdom, by the way? January 4th. So it'll be a, a happy new year for us. I have to say that this is one of the, just in two matches, in your two co-main events, uh, Okada versus Naito, finally again, and Omega with Jericho in what has devolved into a Western-style feud, you could say. This is huge. And I know I haven't been good personally about watching a lot of New Japan, but 2018 for me, I'm going to kick things off and be as invested in New Japan as I am in WWE because I want to see some of this stuff evolve after the culmination of everything that's happened out of the G1, out of the World Tag League, and now we're going to see it all happen at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm very excited to see this card because it looks incredible. Well, that's the thing is even if you don't know who 90% of these guys are, I guarantee when you watch them put on some of these matches that we're looking at here, you're going to get blown away. This is a quality card from top to bottom. And speaking of quality cards, I got to move over to Ring of Honor really quickly because as I said, tomorrow they're having their final battle uh, pay-per-view, which is eh, not their WrestleMania, but it's one of their biggest ones of the year. It's their culmination uh, pay-per-view. And at the top of that, is Cody versus Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor Championship. Now, as well, hang we on. Just you said, said he was yes. just going to re- re- defend it in uh, uh, World Tag League. Right, on the 4th. So, or Wrestle I, Kingdom. Sorry. Yeah, at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't see Dalton Castle going over and facing off against Kota Ibushi. So it kind of looks like the fix is in. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think Cody will be retaining this championship. But at the same time, props to Dalton Castle, who has taken a very offbeat, quirky character from being kind of a comedy act to a serious main event contender. I mean, if you want to imagine, he's kind of like, uh, how do I put this? He's kind of like a uh, Pee Wee Herman meets Velveteen Dream meets his Fandango kind of character. Holy smokes. But he's made it serious. It's like when Velveteen Dream gets serious, he can wrestle. He's been putting on these great matches and he's been serious. Uh, I think a long time ago on this podcast, we talked about the idea of comedy and wrestling. Yeah. And that at a certain point, if you want a main event, you got to drop the comedy a little bit. Uh, and that's what he's done. He's gotten himself to the point now where he can be considered one of the guys that could kind of take over Ring of Honor, you know, following in the footsteps of Christopher Daniels and uh, Jay Lethal and that kind of thing. So it's, I, I think he's in a good position. I don't th- obviously I don't think he's winning it here, yeah. but he's in a position where he could in the future. Um, and the same could be said for Marty Skrull, who is actually having a match on this card with Jay Lethal, which could be a, a, a show stealer. Uh, Marty Skrull could easily come back later this year. Uh, even though his character is the villain, he's been getting more face reactions. He yep. could come back and be a face contender for the championship against Cody. That would be later this year. Yeah, and and he's really over in Ring of Honor. Has been doing great work there. So I think that could be a possibility. Other matches on this card that are going to be good. Uh, the Motor City Machine Guns are going to be facing off against the Best Friends, coming off fresh off of the uh, tag championships or, or the tag league over in New Japan. Uh, Kenny King versus Punishment Martinez versus Shane Taylor versus Silas Young in an elimination match for the TV title, which they should have never taken off of Kushida. Uh, you've got Adam Page and the Young Bucks versus Dragon Lee, Flip Gordon, and Titan for the six-man tag belts. Will Ospreay is facing off against Matt Tavin. You have War Machine straight out of the World Tag League coming in against Addiction. And then in what's kind of the co-main event, you got Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer facing off against the Briscoe brothers, which has been a really well-built match with the Briscoes invading, I think it was Bully Ray's uh, actual wrestling school and beating him down. And it's one of those events where it was really well done in that they had they were like filming each other on their iPhones while they were beating everybody up. Okay. It was like, hey, get me beating this guy up. It was really cool. It was really way, like uh, felt very real 
which you don't see a lot. It was like, like a the, YouTube channel. Yeah, it felt it felt real. And it was it was really well done. So huh. yeah, so I can't wait to talk about that next week. But just to make to if you have a chance, check it out. It's on tomorrow night, Friday night. Uh, Ring of Honor. We'll be putting on a pretty damn good show. Nice. Uh, other shows that just happened. CZW just had their Cage of Death, and the big news there was that. After all this build for Tim Storm being the new NWA champ or being the NWA champ, Nick Aldis just beat him at, at, at CZW. But he was in running around challenging everybody. Yeah. Why, why drop the belt now? I, it's, it is at best head scratching and <laughs> at worst, it's just incomprehensible. I can't believe they took the belt off of Tim Storm at this point. He looked like an old school traveling, hard ass, badass champ, like older dude, looked like just a hard son of a bitch. And then one of his first title defenses, he drops the belt. Just in, in CZW, like no knock to CZW, but it seems like a strange place to be dropping the belt at this point before NWA even takes off. Yeah. So that was bizarre. Uh, but in the Cage of Death match itself, Ricky Shane Page wins the whole thing. But man, I saw a picture of Shane Strickland's back. You, you might know him better as uh, uh, Killshot over on Lucha Underground. Yeah. Remember that match he had with Dante Fox, a.k.a. AR Fox, the Hell of War match where yep. it, was just, it was just brutality? And Fox's back the day afterwards just looked like a meat grinder. Well, that was Shane Strickland after this match. Uh, he had, I mean, it just looked like strips had been ripped off of it. Oh. It was absolutely brutal. I mean, that's what you kind of expect from CZW. They're one of the most hardcore promotions out there, and it's where Dean Ambrose took the jigsaw to his forehead. Yeah. You know, it's it's known for that. But it was, uh, it looked pretty rough. Uh, also on this pay-per-view, uh, MJF defeated Joey Janela to become the Wired champ. And Jimmy Jacobs, the guy who was writing for WWE and just got fired recently, well, he's on his return tour, and he just won over uh, Jimmy Havoc, who we know for doing those paper-cut spots Ugh. that we've shuddered at Ugh. on this show before. Uh, also, we had Progress 59 happen, but they had a bad problem with the weather. The weather kept some of their biggest guys from being there. Uh, Tyler Bate, Flash Morgan Webster, Trent Seven, Mark Andrews, Pete Dunn, none of them could make the show due to the weather. So they just basically kind of put together what they could. They had the, Where was it? Uh, in England. Uh, but huh. uh, yeah, I don't know where they were coming from. I, most of those guys are coming out of Florida, I guess. I don't know where they would be. But uh, uh, the Grizzled Young Vets did defeat Aussie Open for the tag championship. Uh, Travis Banks defeated Eddie Dennis to, uh, via submission, I believe, Travis for the world champ. He retained the world champ belt. Uh in uh, which uh, yeah we love Travis Banks oh, yeah. so that's very cool. Uh, in other progress news, not in progress itself, but Tony Storm, who is the progress women's champion, she's defending her belt against Shaza McKenzie in Melbourne Championship Wrestling down in Australia in a little bit. So keep an eye on that. Uh, speaking of WWE related promotions, Evolve '97 happened. Uh, Darby Allen wins the triple threat over Keith Limitless Keith Lee bask in his glory unfortunately yes. he didn't pull this one out uh tracy williams also in that match matt riddle our boy also from pwg defeated walter by submission uh, nice. in, a, in a no rope break match which sounds like a great thing and zach saber jr is their champ he retained the title over jaka so zach saber jr still the evolve champion uh we got to talk about impact really quickly there's some big news there don Callis we referenced earlier and scott diamore are now running the show over at Impact, they got put in as two of the three uh, executive teams, uh, executive members. Uh, Sonjay Dutt is staying on as uh, talent relations, but Callis and Diamore uh, will basically manage and execute the company business. Hmm. Uh, I don't think they're going to become characters. I don't. I hope they don't. 
uh, because it's the authority figures thing is played out. You I know guess what Jeff mean? Jarrett's too busy drinking somewhere. And Jeff he Jarrett's just can't, done. He's not. Oh. He's done with the company. He's oh, on, really? He's, on, he's, he's on gone, indef- gone? Indefinite leave. He's done. Oh, okay. Toast. And I, also, I didn't understand that. Okay. And Bruce Pritchard is out too. And that makes sense oh. because Bruce Pritchard's the reason that Don Callis got fired from WWE. So there's heat there. Oh, shit. So Pritchard and, and Jarrett are out. Uh, Callis and Diamore are in. They've been making good moves off the bat, I, from what I understand, because Callis has a relationship with New Japan. Uh, Impact has a relationship with AAA. They're putting together some some stuff there that hopefully they can get some good international talent to Impact. I don't know, man. It's just cursed. TNA's cursed. Well, but they're also going to they're talking about bringing in Brian Cage and doing some stuff with him. And between uh, Johnny Mundo or Johnny Impact or whatever you want to call him and right. Brian Cage they could rebuild. I mean, they are. So right now it's also being reported that Bobby Lashley and EC three are letting their contracts run out. And then they'll honestly, they're probably going to go to WWE. Exactly. (laughs) But imagine rebuilding impact with Brian cage, Johnny Mundo, uh, maybe Alberto del Patron is still there for whatever good that is, but then a whole bunch of talent from new Japan. uh, Maybe James storm comes back. I don't know. I think he's gone though, but there's a possibility. It's not. It's not dead yet. If you could, I mean, the number of times we've said <laughs> TNA or Impact is dead and it's come back from the ashes, we'll see. I think this is the most hopeful I've been about it in years. So, oh, okay. Well, seriously. Well, hey, over in other news, we uh, we had a, the Abu Dhabi and the India events happened as you referenced earlier. India had the Triple H versus Jinder Mahal in kind of a a dead attendance nobody really gave a shit only match. not only nine thousand people should i barely pull nine thousand people in a, in a out of 1.4 billion 1. people in india billion people well that's well that's there's a lot of reasons that that happened you know one you can't have they're not idiots in india i don't care how much you tell them that gender's a face in hindi it, he's he doesn't act like a face and they very much like the Americanized stuff, Americanized style stuff in wrestling aj styles is big over there john cena is big over there triple h is big over there but then you have this guy who, by the way, does not represent 1.3 billion people. Punjab is a very small part of True. India. It'd be like having someone from Kentucky saying, hey, I'm from Kentucky. I represent all of America. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> That's fair. And then not only that, but you have him very obviously acting like a shitty heel. You know, no one's going to get behind that. Like, and, and the way that they pushed him was all wrong. As we said earlier, the gender, the whole gender experiment was a complete bust. And this match was definitely showing that. And I've, I've watched quite a bit of this match, and it's boring as shit. It's one long rest hold. I, I believe that. Uh, let's talk about something that wasn't a complete bust, and it was actually his- history-making in its, in its you know glory. Abu Dhabi, they had the first ever in history women's wrestling match in Abu Dhabi. So that's since been corrected, by the way. It oh, was really? Not, it was not the first women's match. Uh, it was the first women's championship match. TNA had a match over there in, I believe, 2010 or 2011. Uh, so they huh. had they had to amend the historical nature of it. You may have caught that on WWE TV this week where they showed the clip of Sasha Banks crying afterwards. Yep. They called it the first women's championship match. Over uh, there. They realized that they had been beaten to the punch by another company. Uh, still, though, still, though, a very historic match. And, you know, obviously very emotional and, and, and very cool for that part of the world, frankly, and, and for women in general that they're they're make, trying to make progress with that. In that part of the world, yeah, some of the money shots they showed to the audience of them of the the men in Abu Dhabi cheering for the women wrestling. I was I was like, wow, okay, yeah. progressivism. We're, we're getting we're, there. Women in the audience crying as well. Yes. Like it was awesome. Yes. And speaking of women wrestlers, you know, if you think that the West has the control of the women wrestling quote unquote revolution, then you've never watched Stardom Joshi, which is some of the most badass women in the world over in Japan, kicking the crap 
out of each other. It's where Kyrie Sane came from. It's where Asuka came from. And we almost, almost, almost had Io Shirai in the WWE, except she had some nagging neck injuries they weren't willing to clear. But she just got named 2017 Joshi Pro Wrestling MVP for the third year in the row. It's never happened before by, uh, by Tokyo Sports. Wow. So that's never happened before. No one's ever gotten three MVPs in a row. So props to Io Shirai. It's just too bad we didn't get her over here in, in WWE, but obviously it's, she's not suffering for it. No. And also in, in women's pro wrestling news, uh, Leva Bates, who you may remember as Blue Pants from NXT. She came out with, uh, with Enzo and Cass a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, they, yeah, were, yeah. they were feeding her to Carmella over and over, and she just got over organically. And then I guess had some backstage heat, so they <laughs> kicked her out <laughs> unceremoniously. Uh, legit. Well, she's still wrestling. She's wrestling in Indiana uh, at Wrestling Theology right now. She's got a match against Maria James, so the company known for Space Monkey. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, at least, but at least she's out there wrestling. You know, I'm glad to see that she's still doing stuff. Where do stuff. you find all this stuff? <laughs> student. Amazing. I'm a student of the game, my friend. Oh. Uh, but in in sad news, uh, do you remember Matt Capitelli from Tough Enough? He yes. was in WWE for I a do while. Remember him? So he ended up having to to drop out because he had a brain tumor. He had yes. brain cancer. Uh, unfortunately, he has had surgery for it, and they removed most of it. Uh, the remaining parts, however, are in vital areas and they weren't able to get to it. So they're saying he's terminal. Unfortunately, they don't know how long he has. It could be weeks. It could be years. We don't know. Uh, but that's, that's the news coming out about him, uh, which is really sad to hear because yeah, he was, he is. was very talented, uh, and he's definitely put in some time. So, uh, fingers crossed that, you know, that the, for the best, because as they said, they don't know how long he has. But uh, hopefully it's a long time because I, I wish the best for that guy. Yeah. Good luck, Matt. Hey, over on Lucha Underground. Remember earlier this year, we were speculating whether or not we were going to get any more Lucha Underground. Speculating. I was crossing every finger and every toe, dude. <laughs> well, it's confirmed. Season four will have 21 episodes. Oh, my goodness. Only t- Only 21? <laughs> No, I'm serious. It was like 40 episodes in a season before this. Oh, fine. But they're going to start filming in March. We, oh, we're going to well, get more Lucha Underground. Yeah, I, I guess they're reporting that they're doing a lot of cost-cutting and whatnot. They, Rey Mysterio probably won't be back because he's going to go and be in Vince Russo's competitive Lucha program. I don't know. Fingers crossed that they can pull the, up this plane because it definitely sounds like it's on a downward spiral. But, I God, I want more Lucha Underground. That yes. stuff is so good. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I wonder um, if we'll get a lot of the familiar faces back. The Matanzas, Jeff Cobb, and I can only uh, imagine. Oh, wait, it depends. See if on Ricochet what, comes back. You uh, know? Ricochet is not coming back. He's going. Yeah. To, he's going to WWE. <laughs> he's going to the big time. <laughs> he's going to big time as as he deserves. Speaking yes. of big time, uh, Mark Cuban, who owns the Access Network, which uh, you see uh, New Japan gets bro- broadcast or they they broadcast the big matches yeah. on Access TV. He had an interview this week, I believe, with Sports Illustrated, um, in which he said that you know, he, in his opinion. Vince McMahon doesn't see New Japan as being a real competition. Sure, um, and he kind of, I, I, he kind of said that he's competition for Vince McMahon without saying he's competition. Like they, he wants to make it bigger. He supports it. He's admitted he's not a hardcore wrestling fan, but he gets what people like about it, and he thinks that New Japan is one of the best productions of wrestling in the world, which I would tend to agree with him on. But it definitely sounded like he is very invested in it. And I would love to see him help them push more into America. Uh, and with obviously with his pocketbook, he could, if he gets interested in it enough, be another Ted Turner. I mean, he does own an arena in the middle of America. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. 
Wink, wink. Well, I don't know. I don't know if New Japan can draw to an arena yet, but <laughs> I, I, we'll see. I mean, Cody and the Young Bucks are trying, uh, you know, to get the ten thousand. A state but, that is very high on wrestling. That's uh, true. You know, I, so I, I could definitely see something. Stop trying to go to a five thousand person venue in Long Beach of all places, but go to a a place in Middle America, yeah. like Dallas, Texas, where you're going to get a, the draw, where people can come from all sides. To get to one of these events, I could absolutely oh, see that happening. I'll if tell you he gets right involved. now, if, if Mark Cuban does decide to go all in, obviously he's not the lifelong fan that Ted Turner was yeah. of wrestling, and that's why he went after NWA specifically. Right? Well, uh, you know, that he's not the lifelong fan, so I don't think he's got the passion for it. But that might be a good thing if he can come through it, come at it clear headed. Let the let the company run itself, and then he tries to get it out in as accessible a way as possible to Americans. If he grows it, I mean, that's that could be huge. Yeah, it could. So fingers crossed that that, that continues to work in a positive direction. Well, last but certainly not least, it was announced this week that we are going to have the mixed match competition comp- to tournament thing. That you're going to have yeah. women in and men and women fighting off against each and other on Facebook, and it's going to have like audience participation. What is Facebook Watch? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like Facebook Live kind of thing. It's so I'm going to open so many admit, things here to just like what? Yeah, this is kind of hard to discuss at the end of the show when we're already running a little long, but it's definitely something we want to reference. This is something that I think we're going to have more information on what exactly they're doing within the next couple of weeks. We'll come back and talk more about this. But what's interesting about this is they're making this uh, involve audience participation in some way where people will be able to comment on Facebook and like help pick matches uh, who's going to face who. Uh, it's it's going to be crazy. A lot of a lot of fan interaction uh, with what's going on. It's kind of like a, a brand new way of uh, digesting wrestling. Uh, so it's it's a really interesting experiment. And when I first heard about it, I was like, well, this is first of all, is WWE really diving in on the deep end that I don't think they have real comprehension of uh, or, or really an ability to uh, to work at in in what the people on this format are expecting or, or would actually want. I don't know. I think they're just going in blind on this, frankly. And with some of the ways they've described it so far, it comes across sounding really gimmicky. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to really portray it as being any kind of real competition or if it's just going to feel video gamey or just kind of silly. I don't, I don't think they could, there's any way they can do it in kayfabe. There's a lot of unknowns here still. So in co- so just as a hypothetical, you're saying that in the comments they're going to pitch. All right, here's Braun Strowman. He's going to fight somebody on the women's side. Who do you want it to be? Well, he'll he'll team up with a woman. Who is it going to be? You know, who here are the, here are the options? Here are the options. You know, vote on who it's going to be. So it's uh, it's not legit intergender. It's like mixed tag. Kind of. That's okay. what I think. So yeah, and people are already kind of salivating over possible team ups. So Braun Strowman and Oscar, Braun Strowman and Nia Jax, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, so there there is a, a lot of upside to this, and really, the more I think about it, there's not really a downside. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Is no one checks in and they don't do it? Is this an online house show? Is that what really this really it is? Kind of feels like that. Yeah, yeah or like a, another way to to digest their entertainment, and it's something as if that, we don't already have ten hours of content a week to watch. Well, but not everyone's watching it on TV. Their ratings are going down. Not everyone has the network. Facebook freaking everyone has yeah, everyone true. has it on their phone so this is actually a, in some ways a really smart decision whether or not they can pull it off we'll see but it could be one of those things where they try out a bunch of different things they all fail and then that one thing sticks five years down the road and we look back and go well it took them a while but they figured it out so you know it, it again something to discuss 
going forward right now, we only have limited information, but it's certainly a very interesting project that WWE hmm. is undergoing. Well, guys, thanks for hanging in there with us. This uh, We know we ran a little bit long this week, but Ian, we are in, as you said earlier, we are in such a golden age, golden time, especially of the year for wrestling. Uh, between now and the time we get to the end of January with the Royal, Royal Rumble in WWE, there's something like six pay-per-views going on across all of the various promotions in a matter of six weeks. It's it's insane, the amount of wrestling content that's going on right now. And I, the listeners, I, I hope you guys... I, I didn't really appreciate the, the amount of stuff that's going on until uh, Ian and I worked on the, the... or we had the rundown of the pre-show production stuff today. But holy smokes, there is so much stuff going on right now. Yeah. It really is that golden age. Just in the last two weeks, and I, I barely even touched on all the stuff that's really going on. Like I just gave like a quick rundown of stuff that I collated right. over the last couple of weeks. You know, this is probably the longest show I've written, and we've just been going gangbusters trying to get through all this. It's amazing how much stuff there is out there and how much of it is really high quality entertainment if you're into this sort of thing well guys we are really looking forward to clash of champions on sunday eh, kind of i guess you could say we'll talk about it next week <laughs> based on our picks and our predictions it meh Kind of one of those pay-per-views. It's, it is. It feels. It definitely feels like a B pay-per-view, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for what could potentially happen at Royal Rumble about a month to six weeks from now. But we're going to have all of our recaps next week of what goes down at Clash of Champions, plus review of our picks, who wins, and our fantasy bookings going forward, what will happen, etc. And also, we've got to sneak in what happens next week on NXT and at that Ring of Honor final battle show. We've got to talk about that. So yes. we'll, we'll try to squeeze in a little time for that next week, too. Although... <laughs> Well, it won't be as big as this show, I'll tell you that. Well, guys, head on over to Facebook. Join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. We love chatting with our listeners in there. Those of you that listen to the show and participate with us in there all the time, thank you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to all of you coming to join us as well. You can also find us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast, live tweeting some of these events and posting some news as well as these episodes as they come out. If you like this show and want to rock some swag, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. There's going to be all kinds of holiday specials running for the next couple of weeks. So get in $14 t-shirts going to be on sale for the next couple of weeks nice so head over there you can buy your mom a pair of panties uh they, they don't sell panties i don't think oh, they should granny panties yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm nick howell you can find me over on twitter at data center dude and i am sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at sir ian dangerous would somebody stop the damn match this show is part of the orbital jigsaw network for more episodes subscribe to us on itunes Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.